American Theatre Wing's Tony Goes To. And the Tony Award goes to... And the Tony Goes To... Dear Evan Hansen. Memphis. Once. Avenue Q. In the Heights. Hamilton. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Next Best Theatre. I'm your host, Michael Schwartz, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Ackman. Hey, everybody. Dan Bayer. What season are we in right now? <laughs> Casey Lee Clark. Hello. And Lauren LaMagna. Deja vu. Let's go. <laughs> Deja vu, indeed. We are coming to you, recording time, September 20th, 2021, for our predictions for the upcoming Tony Awards. And I can't call them the 2021 Tony Awards because none of this theater came out in 2021. In fact, most of it didn't even come out in 2020. We are talking about shows as old as Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune, which opened in spring of 2019 on Broadway, months and months and months before COVID even came into our lives. Yes, the much-delayed Tony Awards are finally happening on CBS this coming Sunday. So we thought, as old as these shows may be, as much as Broadway might be coming back and we're looking toward the new shows, we still have to recognize the shows from that season that really wasn't. So here we are many months after we talked about the nominations, in fact, nearly a year after we talked about those nominations, to dive into the Tony nominations and see who will be taking home Tony statues this coming week. We have 25 categories to get through, and unlike years prior, many of us have not really seen these shows. We've just kept up with the cultural conversations as best we could amongst other things happening in the world. So we are going to do our best to walk through the categories, talk about who the front runners are and where we stand on these races. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Lauren to walk us through the category of Best Featured Actress in a Musical. Lauren, take it away. Okay, so for Best Featured Actress in a Musical, we have the Jagged Girls. So we have Lauren Patton, Catherine Gallagher, and Celia Rose Gooding for their roles in Jagged Little Pill. Uh, For Tina, we have Myra Lucita Taylor. And then for Moulin Rouge, we have Robin Herter. And this is, I think, probably one of the maybe most obvious categories, I think I would say. I feel like everyone before the pandemic came out, I think when Jagged opened, we all thought Lauren Patton would probably get nominated and win, no matter if COVID happened or not. She was getting standing ovations. She was getting the major press releases, which was not normal for a role. I mean, you don't normally do standing ovations mid-show. And even though this role has gotten a lot of controversy since then about the trajectory of the character from its out-of-town tryouts to what it is now and having Lauren Patton be, you know, a cis woman play a character that was originally non-binary, I have a feeling that won't, like, affect her potential in winning this category. So I would still, I'm still think seeing her as the front runner. And if there is anyone that could upset I think maybe Celia Rose Gooding because she is just so good and then she is Broadway loyalty, but I really do think this is Lauren Patton's category. Yeah, I was really torn on this, but ultimately I just I feel like I settled on Lauren Patton beyond just that being my initial prediction, but that I feel like Tony voters might not care about that controversy the way that yeah. the, the public would. So do we know when voting closed? Yeah, that was my question, because like if it did, maybe it did. But I don't I still don't <laughs> think it would affect it that greatly. Like I think film, I think theater Twitter is going to freak out and be like a little pissed when this happens. But I still think she's getting the Tony. I agree. I agree as well. Same. 
All right, so then moving on to uh, Best Featured Actress in a Play, we have Jane Alexander for Grand Horizons, uh, Chalia Latour for Slave Play, I'm sorry to any name that I mispronounce uh, over the course of this podcast, Annie McNamara for Slave Play, uh, Lois Smith for The Inheritance, and Cora Vanderbrook for uh, Linda Vista, and I don't know about y'all, but I am predicting uh, Lois Smith for The Inheritance. Absolutely. Oh, that's interesting. And look, I saw The Inheritance and love Lois Smith, love her to death. She does not do a lot in that play. Frankly, I was a little surprised that she got nominated. And I think she did mostly on the strength of her name. Um, I'm going with Jane Alexander in Grand Horizons. Um, she got fantastic reviews for it, and she is Broadway royalty. Now, do we know if Jane Alexander has a Tony? I don't know if the, off the top of my head if she does or not. Um, that is a very good question. She <laughs> well, does have one Tony Award. Okay. I, uh, and I just want to you know, tell our listeners here, uh, Cody could not join us tonight, but he gave me his predictions. And he is also predicting Lois Smith for this award. So I think with Lois Smith, she is having such a moment over these past couple of years. Of course, you have her in Lady Bird and a lot of TV shows. Uh, and then to do a show like The Inheritance, it might not be a huge role, but she is, you know, 90 years old now, has sort of been a legend on film, stage, screen, uh, across all mediums. So to give her this career recognition seems like the right moment for her. Even if it's not the role, I think it's just honoring the legend. So I think that's where some of us are coming from. But Dan, you know, you're not wrong with Jane Alexander. She's also a legend in her own right. And she, her Tony that she won was way back in 1969. Oh, wow. Oh, was that for The Great White Hope? Yep. Okay, well, I should have known that. There we go. Interesting. All right, well, that might be a race between two uh, real legends. Yeah, I definitely think it's between those two, I would Mm -hmm. say. I agree. I would agree, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. So moving on to the best featured actor in a musical, the nominees are the I'll say the losers will be Daniel J. Watts for Tina, Sar Nagauja for Moulin Rouge, Sean Allen Krill in Jag Little Pill, and Derek Klana in Jag Little Pill, and they will all unfortunately inevitably lose to Mr. Danny Burstein in Moulin Rouge. I don't even think they'll think it's unfortunate, though. Like, I no. think everyone in the industry <laughs> is so ready to hand him this award. The man has how many nominations without a win? Like, <laughs> if there's and also with getting a standing out, whatever this might be, it's it's Danny Burstein. Yeah. And with the past two years that he's had, yeah, uh, exactly. Oh God, yeah. let's just give him every Tony award. <laughs> Seventh nomination. That's just crazy. He is one of our finest actors. By all accounts, just one of the nicest people you could encounter on this planet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I met him at the stage door for Cabaret. One of the best to ever do it. Yeah. And just consistently amazing performances. He is an actor who I will go up to see in anything. And I would go to see Moulin Rouge just for him. I haven't had a chance yet, but I'm sure he's great. It's sort of funny to think that he'll be winning for Moulin Rouge because that just seems like such a big commercial thing when he's been doing work in, you know, Follies and Cabaret, South Pacific, Fiddler on the Roof, these revivals that are still commercials, but they're like classic era musicals. And now he's like winning for, you know, doing the pop music, which just seems a little out of character. But of course, it's a career award and you're recognizing all these great performances still by giving it to him for this. Yeah, that is 
even before the past year, he would have won. Yeah. But with all the events of the past year, it's it will be the most emotional moment of the night, no question. Absolutely. Moving on to featured actor in a play. The nominees are Addo Blanks and Wood for Slave Play, James Cusati Moyer for Slave Play, David Allen Greer for A Soldier's Play, John Benjamin Hickey for The Inheritance, and Bill Paul Hilton for The Inheritance. My brain sort circuited there. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think it's pretty clear that the winner is David Allen Greer. I haven't seen this production, but I read the play in college and saw the film version. Um, Adolf Caesar received a nomination at the Oscars for this role. It's such a baity role. David Allen Greer fits it so perfectly. He's the biggest name of this group, and I feel like this one's just a slam dunk. I don't know about that. Really? Um, well, because of two things is one is John Benjamin Hickey, who is, you know, just a, a trooper has been in, you know, a million things and without really a role that has allowed him to really shine like he had in the inheritance. Um, when I saw the inheritance, he was not in the role, but it is a really, really meaty part. And I heard he got standout reviews from the cast but also when you're talking about the most talked about play of that season it was slave play and Otto blanks and wood got huge standout notices for that i'm kind of leaning towards him actually david allen greer is a four-time nominee and what mm-hmm. i think we assume later on is the front runner for a revival of the play Whereas John Benjamin Hickey, who, yes, got those big standout notices in The Inheritance, he also won a decade ago for The Normal Heart. Yep, that's true, a decade ago. But you have like a previous winner versus a four-time nominee or versus a newcomer in the most talked about play of the year. I think it's difficult. I think also you have, you know, David Allen Group being the sole nominee in the category for his, whereas the other, you know, maybe, you know, the apple and the barrel of oranges type of thing of, you know, if you can't choose between the two different actors from the two other shows it might you know pave the way and especially it being so long ago i I don't have high hopes of like (laughs) (laughs) uh, remembering things and having strong opinions i kind of have a suspicion that it's going to be a lot of checking off of familiar names and things like that i could be wrong it'd be nice but you know (laughs) To go over to what we'll call uh, Cody's corner on this episode, he has Paul Hilton predicted for this category. Ooh, that's that's uh, interesting. That's a choice. He's not breaking any ties here. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that might be more open than we think. He was great in The Inheritance, um, not as scene-stealing as John Benjamin Hickey, in, in the, as that role was. But yeah, this could go anyway. All right, yeah, that'll be interesting. So I have the pleasure of announcing the nominees for Best Scenic Design in a Musical. And the nominees there are Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, and Tina the Tina Turner Musical. And of course, you could put all the money on this Moulin Rouge musical. I mean, they have an elephant on stage. Not a real elephant, <laughs> but you know, a pretty big elephant. If only they had a real elephant. <laughs> <laughs> Derek McLean is, you know, just one of the best there is. And it's a musical based off of a Baz Luhrmann film. Come on. You don't need any more than that. What they did to uh, the Al Hirschfeld Theater, it, it's just miraculous from what you can see in the pictures. So I think this walks 
in the door winning easily. No question. Yeah. Any objections? <laughs> nope. Yeah, you know, I think we all agree. <laughs> yeah. If if they don't call out Moulin Rouge, I will assume something happened with the envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and going into best scenic design of a play, the nominees are Betrayal, a soldier's play, Inheritance, a Christmas Carol, and Slave Play. And um, this one, I'm kind of in between a Christmas Carol and Slave Play. I personally, I think like a Christmas Carol better, but when it comes to the plays, again, I haven't seen any of them, and I feel like it's just been so long where voters are going to just um, nominate and vote for, you know, what they thought was the best. And I think Slave Play is going to end up winning Best Play. Spoiler alert for my opinion. So I'm just going to go with who I think is going to win the big prize. So I'm going to go with Slave Play for this one. Lauren, I feel exactly the same as you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of sweeps this year, which I, that's just the thing of the year, even though there are like, you know, six productions being nominated. But I just think they're just going to go with what they remember. And it's that one piece and just check it all off. I will say, I thought the lighting design in The Inheritance was fantastic. And there are some really memorable moments in that that were memorable because of the lighting but again with with it having been so long since any of these plays were seen it's really hard to predict how much voters what voters are going to do yeah and i think it will come down to slave play is winning best play most likely so Mm -hmm. it'll it'll win the text too probably and moving on to Best Costume Design in a Musical, we really could have done the Musical Design Awards all as one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because the nominees are all of them. It's all Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge Musical, and Tina the Tina Turner Musical. And once again, I think Moulin Rouge has got costume design in the bag. Oh, yep. yeah, without question. You could you could make an argument for the recreations in Tina, but come on. But I think they're going to go down. <laughs> ballot and hit Moulin Rouge. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so moving on to the slightly more difficult best costume design in a play, you have Slave Play, A Soldier's Play, A Christmas Carol, The Inheritance, and The Rose Tattoo. And I'm going to say that Slave Play takes it again those costumes look pretty memorable and pretty cool. So that could happen. And I have it in my second place, but I'm actually predicting a Christmas carol here. <laughs> that was oh, my second place. I, mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I get that. The Christmas carol was my second place. I, the thing about Christmas carol is I don't know how many people saw it. Yeah. It was so exactly. Limited. Enough to nominate it though. But that's, that's it was barely there. Yeah. Yeah. By default. Uh, let's go over to Cody's corner here. <laughs> and he is predicting a Christmas carol. Hmm. But, you know, it might be one of those things where slave play is just undeniable across all these categories. And it's the show that people remember from that season that they just tick it off in all the boxes, which, you know, that could very well happen. Moving on to lighting design for a musical. We have, uh, no surprise here, Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, and Tina, the Tina Turner musical. And I'm, of course, going with Moulin Rouge. Pretty simple, as we said, for all the texts for the musicals. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're all just expecting Moulin Rouge to dominate the technical categories. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. For best lighting design in a play, the nominees are Slave Play, 
The Inheritance, The Sound Inside, A Soldier's Play, and A Christmas Carol. I am predicting, yet again, Slave Play. So, I actually am predicting The Inheritance for this, because I do think that that's one of the other ones that people are going to remember whenever they're voting. Mm-hmm. And I, I read more about the lighting in The Inheritance than I did in Slave Play. Uh, obviously, I, I haven't seen either one, so I can't fully say, but this is one where I actually am going out and predicting The Inheritance. Yeah. I am as well, actually. Yeah, the lighting in that show was spectacular. And just to add to the conversation, Cody is predicting The Inheritance, so it looks like I'm I'm alone here Ooh. with Slave Play. And I did hear a lot of good notices about uh, the work there, so I would not be surprised one bit. I have it in second place. Okay, moving on to Best Sound Design in a Musical. And you've guessed it, we got three nominees, and those are Moulin Rouge, Tina the Tina Turner Musical, and Jagged Little Pill. And no surprise, I'm going with Moulin Rouge. It is so overly stimulating with everything and anything that um, it's going to, I think it's going to sweep the text. I don't think those other two stand a chance personally. So yeah, Moulin Rouge. I, <laughs> there, I, I'm going with, jagged little pill for this ooh interesting um because just based on what i had heard of the plot it seems like there may be more like sound effects in it than moulin rouge but also because like i think it may I think Jagged is front runner for other bigger categories, and I think it needs to win something below the line. And so I'm just throwing it in there. <laughs> <laughs> I have no other logic. <laughs> Does anyone else agree with me? I don't know, because I saw Jagged, and I thought, I don't know, the sound was interesting. It was something that kind of like, but it was like, I saw it very early, so it was something mm. that you know took me out sometimes. So I feel like they were still getting into the groove of doing the shows and seeing what worked well with them because sometimes the mixing and just it wasn't the best. Oh. So I, but like maybe that changed like once they were like a couple weeks out before the world shut down. But like I understand like throwing it a bone and it's gonna win a major above the line, and you know Tia is also gonna win something majorly above the line. Mm-hmm. But I just. I don't know. I I'm just playing it safe and just saying I think Moulin Rouge is just so big and so out there. It, it would definitely be my second choice. Yeah. Poor Tina. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on then to best sound design of a play. Uh, the nominees are The Inheritance, A Christmas Carol, Slave Play, Seawall, A Life, and The Sound Inside. And I'm actually predicting the sound inside. When you have sound in your title. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to see sound in the title and be like, oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is a really good rule at the Oscars, as we saw just last year with mm-hmm. Sound of Metal. And over on Gold Derby, where I'm looking at the odds, that is in first place. But I got to say, I remember Mary Louise, I must call her Mary Louise Wilson, Mary Louise Parker, mm-hmm. uh, had a show during the season. I could not tell you anything about the sound inside. So I don't know that name alone is enough. I have slave play here just for the sake of it. Yeah. I mean, that also would not surprise me either. Uh, let's see. Cody's corner. Oh, God. He's not helping us here. <laughs> He's predicting a Christmas carol. 
Oh, good. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> I could see that too. I don't know. This is so crazy. <laughs> Who even remembers this stuff? <laughs> the sound inside. What was the sound inside? Did anyone see it? Does anyone know what it's about? It was a like thrillery thing. Um, I remember the ads for it on TV. They looked good. I did not see <laughs> it. <laughs> Sorry to this play. Yeah. What a sorry season. To this sorry to this season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, they had a choice. They could have waited and done a super big one whenever theater opened, but they decided not to. And I respect that decision, but it does make for a really weird uh, set of nominees and potential winners. <laughs> um, but moving on to best orchestrations, which... You know, I think this is a nail-biter. We have Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, and Tina, the Tina Turner musical. Such, really? Such surprises in this category. Um, I, I have no clue. I guess the mashups in Moulin Rouge give it a slight edge. So I'm saying Moulin Rouge, but it could really be any of them. Yeah. I have Moulin Rouge as well, but like I... I, I don't know how many of them care about like name recognition of like, Oh, Tom Kit for Jag a little bit. Like, I don't yeah. know what <laughs> they might just check off boxes. I don't know. I'm going with Moulin Rouge just because I'm predicting it for all of the design awards too. I, I really think that people are just going to remember Moulin Rouge because it was so big and flashy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is coming back very soon. I think the first one of these to come back. Yeah. Exactly. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on to the category I clearly know the most about, best choreography. Hey, hey. (laughs) Uh, We all know who the nominees are. There's only three of them. You can probably guess them. 
I'm going with Moulin Rouge because it's the biggest. And Sonia Taye is yeah. a big name. And I heard the choreography was fantastic. I will know more after I see this in November. <laughs> I've seen some bits of the choreography on uh, TikTok from, from people who were in the show doing bits of it. And it was incredible. Like the fact that it came across as incredible in like a TikTok video, I think says it all. Um, yeah, I think this is, another one where like Moulin Rouge just got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, unless Ike and Tina are doing the can-can, I, I don't think this is going to fit anything. <laughs> well, 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 I was going to say that said, remember that, uh, ain't too proud one. Yeah. I was about to say Jagged has good dancing. <laughs> <laughs> like I would make an argument for, there's an argument to be made for Tina based on ain't too proud winning, I think, but I don't know. I, I don't think anything can stop Moulin Rouge in this. It is very, it is the flashiest. Yeah. Okay. So moving on, I'm going to announce the nominees for best direction of a musical. And they are Phyllida Lloyd for Tina, the Tina Turner musical, Diane Paulus for Jagged Little Pill and Alex Timbers for, you guessed it, Moulin Rouge, the musical. (laughs) And I am predicting Diane Paulus to win for Jagged Little Pill. That's where I am at two be just just on name recognition yeah i'm very torn so i need i need the guidance of the panel on <laughs> see i'm torn but i'm going i'm going for alex timbers for moulin rouge see, this is one of my like jagged. no guts no glory yeah and lauren <laughs> having seen jagged little pill yeah <laughs> i mean jagged's fine like it's not the best thing in the world and i think it definitely overperformed because there's only so many musicals but i think because moulin rouge is gonna get so much that they're gonna give diane directing just to give her it because she like it's a good musical but i think they want to spread the wealth a little bit to not you know have moulin rouge be the only thing that's getting anything and she only has a single tony most people think she won for hair but she lost to steven yeah she deserves more yeah. yeah, she really deserves. I and mean, the one for Pippin is totally deserved. What she did with that was yeah, just absolutely. Incredible. Yeah, uh, I think she de- deserves more than the one Tony. She might even be back next year for 1776, which I can't wait to see what she did with that. So I'm predicting her. Uh, let's see where Cody is for best director. He has oh, he has Alex Timbers. All right, I've got a buddy. <laughs> I feel like I should say that like. Um, I'm predicting Moulin Rouge all over the place, which is very funny because everything that I've seen of Moulin Rouge, I hated. Oh, no. She's <laughs> <laughs> going all in. If you told me I could see two of them and not the third, I would go see Tina and Jack and Little Pill. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make that clear. It's not that I'm, like, blinded by my love for the show or anything. <laughs> You know, if Phyllida Lloyd wanted to be in the conversation here, she should have added that scene where Margaret Thatcher sings Dancing Queen. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, and for Best Director of a Play, we have David Cromer for The Sound Inside, Jamie Lloyd for Betrayal, Robert O'Hara for Slave Play, Stephen Daldry for The Inheritance, and Kenny Leon for A Soldier's Play. And as I said earlier, I'm going with who I think is winning Best Play, that's Slave Play, so Robert O'Hara. Same. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that was. Uh, we all agree. Yeah. <laughs> I could see Stephen Daldry upsetting, but I'm not. I was going to say I could like watch out for Stephen Daldry because a lot of people really like The Inheritance, but yeah. And he's it's... A, like it's such a big name. Yeah. yeah. Across multiple fields, so it's like you know. 
Mm-hmm. Nicole, you have a great honor here. You get to announce the nominees for Best Original Score. Yeah. So please tell us about these excellent musicals. What a weird year in Best Original Score. You know, we've known that plays can get nominated for Best Original Score. Um, you know, I always think about, like, uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child getting nominated. But this year in Best Original Score, our nominees are A Christmas Carol, The Inheritance, The Rose Tattoo, Slave Play, and The Sound Inside, uh, which are all plays, which is... a strange phenomenon. I don't know if that's ever happened before in the history of, of the Tony Awards. It has it not. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, I'm actually predicting a Christmas Carol? Same. I see where you're coming from. I really do. And I think it could happen. But yet again, going with slave play, just because I think it's all anybody remembers when they can't think of anything else. Yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. And I just don't know how many people saw A Christmas Carol. Like, I'm just going back to it literally being open for, well, like My six weeks. is for a production of A Christmas Carol to get nominations like this. Um, it must have been something pretty special. But on the other hand, like, there were only so many options this year. <laughs> I mean, true, true. I just, uh, I also feel like A Christmas Carol is maybe, this might sound funny, but um, I want to say in a way it's going to be memorable to them because they all know what the story is. So it's easy to remember what happened in it. And you can, there's been musicals of A Christmas Carol. So maybe they might think that it was a musical. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) That's an excellent point, actually. I love that. Like, it's the most one where you look at it and go, that could have been a musical. Like, you're like, oh, was that a musical? (laughs) Yeah. I'll go for it. (laughs) I hope they get it confused with like a Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh my God. (laughs) Williams, congratulations. Yes. Um, Are we ready to move on? I'm going to take that as a yes to best book of a musical. And (laughs) yet again, we have such inspiring, varied nominations. (laughs) These, it was such a, such a shock. Um, The nominees for best book of a musical are Diablo Cody for Jagged Little Pill. John Logan from Moulin Rouge, the musical, and Katori Hall, Frank Ketelar, and Keys Prince for Tina, the Tina Turner musical. And I'm saying this is Diablo Cody. Halfway to an EGOT. Woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my prediction. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I was expecting that to not be unanimous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let's check in with Cody. Just make it sure was we're in Cody's all on the same page. <laughs> or let's see, best book of a musical, Jacket Little Pill. Okay, there we go. I think it's the one that, how do I say this nicely? Um, Feels like it actually had a book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, go for like these biopic, uh, <laughs> you know, jukebox musicals. And I, you know, Moulin Rouge, I think especially being based on such a high profile movie and also the fact that some people didn't like the changes that they made from the story of the movie. Uh, I don't see, this is the one place thing. I'm like, mm, I don't think they're going to go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Moulin Rouge was always about the spectacle of the showmanship and the design. It was not about the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Its script was never as strong as suit. Uh, I have the most difficult category of the evening. 
which is Best Actor in a Musical. The nominees are Aaron Tveit in Moulin Rouge the Musical and nothing. So do we all think he'll win or not get enough votes? You what know, I think? really was I really was tempted to predict. <laughs> I was too, honestly. That's like freaking justice for Chris McCarroll, um, the other eligible actor. Uh, but like there is a little part of me, and this is like this sounds mean. I've got nothing against Aaron Tveit, but there is a part of me that would love to see him not win just to see like how do they even Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember in Austin Powers? In Austin Powers, when they're sitting at Dr. Evil's table and he has the chairs that like bring the people, you know, brings them into like a fiery inferno or into yes. like, sharks. That's what's going to happen if he loses. <laughs> See that <laughs> uh, the Witch Garden's just going to fall. It would just be so funny for them to say, and the Tony goes to no, no one, one and then just like move on. I just, I want it to happen. It I'll probably won't. Like, I just wanted to open the envelope and be like, oh, no one. No one. Like, Aaron's already out of his seat, and he has to sit back down. <laughs> <laughs> you should see on Gold Derby, when you go to this category, it's him, and then there's a none option. <laughs> <laughs> and the Tony Award goes to... There's nothing on the teleprompter. <laughs> you know what they should do? It should be him... Or, like, last year's runner-up. So it's like, imagine if it goes to Brooks Eschmanskis for the oh prom. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and the winner is, by right in vote, Lin-Manuel Miranda for services rendered to Broadway during yeah. 2020. <laughs> Listen, I just want to say, in my heart of hearts, the support belongs to Chris McCarroll. <laughs> A performance I actually did see. So Justice for there the Lightning Thief. The only musical I saw that they did not nominate. <laughs> and they All went right. out of their way to not nominate it. I'll never forget. Seriously. Them. So moving on to best performance by a leading actor in a play. The nominees are, and before I read these, I just need to say, be still Nicole Ackman's heart. <laughs> <laughs> true, though. It's true. The nominees are Ian Barford for Linda Vista, Andrew Burnap for The Inheritance, Jake Gyllenhaal for Seawall, A Life, Tom Hiddleston for Betrayal, Tom Sturridge for Seawall, A Life, and Blair Underwood for A Soldier's Play. I, I think if you look to giggle yeah. whenever you said Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Wait, I want to hear who Nicole predicts for this category before you do, Michael. So, Nicole, who do you think is going to win? Um, so, I actually went back and forth on this. And because I was like, is this just my own bias talking? Um, and I looked at Gold Derby and everything, and I really do think that, um, partially because of, like, the, you know, the way that his career has gone lately, how high profile he is right now, I actually am predicting Tom Hiddleston. I am right with you, Nicole. As am I. Not, not just because I'm sitting beside a candle with his name on it, um, <laughs> and because my the theme of my birthday presents for my parents looks like it was just Tom Hiddleston. Uh, but I actually do it's think he's going to win. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's totally going to win. I think that was probably the case also before Loki premiered, but having this come after Loki and he's an even bigger star, it just seems like it's the right moment. It the cute thing of he's dating his co-star from the play like 
Yeah, he's got a lot going for him here. If Jake Gyllenhaal were in a different play, he probably would have taken it. But I don't know if anyone remembers Seawall a lot. Well, and also it was that play was literally two halves. He was one and Tom Sturridge was the other. I mean, that's the very definition of there's going to be vote splitting. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think Tom Hiddleston Mm -hmm. really makes the most sense here. Cody's predicting him as well. Okay, there we go. Uh, Lauren and Casey, what do you think? Uh, I feel the same. I was torn with picking Jake, and then I also thought about the vote splitting and all of that. So that kind of was what led me to Tom Hiddleston. I should also say, I also am madly in love with Tom Hiddleston, and Jake Dillon also be still my heart as well. (laughs) (laughs) I also think it helps Tom that he did the production in the West End as well and got really Mm -hmm. great reviews over Mm -hmm. there and a lot of uh, publicity and then it transferred so like he's his name and this production are very intertwined yeah and I just was like say, Hiddleston has a really big career in the theater world and he's like from the theater he's been in the West End he's done you know his Shakespeare and his classicals and all that stuff so I think him coming to Broadway and doing applying with you know his international stardom it definitely helps so yeah I'm here to support Nicole with this one <laughs> and Casey you know, just like Danny Burstein winning feature actor in a musical, this is one of those wins that I think you could also imagine happening before COVID. It doesn't seem like it's the result of a thin season. He's someone who probably would have been there and a front runner in any other year. So I think we could just carry on with business as usual with predicting him. Yeah. Okay. And for best actress in a musical, you guessed it right. We got three shows, three nominees. Um, we have Elizabeth Stanley for Jagged Little Pill, Karen Olivo for Moulin Rouge, the musical, and Adrian Warren for Tina, the Tina Turner musical. And this is Tina, this is, I mean, Adrian Warren's award. I've We've been aware of this for a while. I feel like she would also have won if COVID didn't happen. She's on the stage 24-7 doing so much. And um, I think it's her time to win. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we can just move straight on. Yeah. You know, I just want to say she's already planning a victory lap, assuming that she's going to win. She's coming back to do this show for like three weeks. She hasn't done it in nearly two years. She's coming to do it for three weeks and then just leave. So good for her. I love it. Good for her. I respect that. (laughs) Uh, Moving on then to leading actress in a play. The nominees are uh, Laura Linney for My Name is Lucy Barton, Audra McDonald for Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune, Mary Louise Parker for The Sound Inside, and Joaquina Calucango for Slave Play. Uh, this is the one category where I've actually seen two of the nominees, although I saw Laura Linney do My Name is Lucy Barton years ago in London. Uh, but I'm actually, I'm predicting Mary Louise Parker for The Sound Inside. Me too. Fascinating. <laughs> Yes, and I have to say, Cody is predicting Mary Louise Parker as well. Oh. I think I am, Gold Derby stands with us on this one. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I, I ended up. Okay. I am not predicting her. Dan, who do you have? I'm going, I look, she is not the Tony, she is not the Tony winningest actress of all time for oh. nothing. I'm going with Audra. <laughs> you know, that is so funny you said that. It is so funny you said that because I was looking at these uh, nominees and like we said, Gold Derby has Mary Louise Parker at the top. I'm not predicting her. And I thought, is it going to be Audra 
are they going to do that? And part of me almost did it because they want to celebrate Broadway being back. And she's the host of the ceremony this year. So it's like, why not just get her on that stage again to give her another Tony? Because she is the mayor of Broadway. But I decided not to do that just because it seemed too obvious to me. So I have Audra number two. I'm actually predicting uh, Jaquina Calicungo for Slave Play. She is my number two. You guys are convincing me on this Audra thing right now. So my thing is, having seen it, first of all, this show was on so long ago. Well, I mean, all of them were. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the, but yeah, it was literally was closed yeah. before most of these shows opened. And I know that true. because I saw it while I lived in New York City. <laughs> that is true. So it's, I think, the oldest of all of the nominated shows. She has done two and, seasons of The Good Fight since the show. Yeah. <laughs> seen it. Like, she was good in it, but it was nothing spectacular for her. Um, so the timing paired with the fact that like I I felt very meh about the whole production um and I saw it from the second row I saw all of that from the second row uh, I think if they give it to her it's very clearly just that they're giving Audrey McDonald another award which I could see them totally doing yeah uh, I mean she is the, Broadway wise she is the biggest name in this category um Frankie and Johnny. She while would give it a was, great speech. She would give a great speech. While the play was a long time ago, it was a big deal when it was on and everyone saw it, which is the other big question mark for this is how many voters actually saw all these things. Yeah. So can we tie this into the next category, Dan? I know you're supposed to talk about revival of the play. Uh, so yeah. can we name them and then continue this conversation? Because I have something to say about both of them. Absolutely. So we are looking at best, sorry, revival of a play. And the nominees are Betrayal, Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune, and A Soldier's Play. And I, I'm going for Betrayal because it was kind of the biggest starriest thing but i'm not at all confident in that <laughs> i'm going with it I, I, because i, I feel like it was the buzziest yeah um and i also think like they're all gonna have just voted for tom hiddleston and they're gonna also vote for that so looking at all three of these nominees i think there's a case for all of them in that with slave i'm sorry uh with a soldier's play you have a show that uh, was through Roundabout, I believe. It mm-hmm. closed uh, yeah. right before COVID. And it's a show that deals with some pre- pretty hefty issues that we were talking about over the past year with, with Black Lives Matter and everything. Uh, I alluded to that being my prediction earlier, but I'm not sure if I'm sticking with it. And I like what y'all just said about betrayal, but something just occurred to me, and I can't believe I didn't think of this earlier. This is, of course, the first Tony since COVID. That's why it's so delayed. Who was one of the first people we lost to COVID in the theater community? Terrence McNally. Hmm. So that has me thinking about Audra again for actress in a play, because I think there is this desire Hmm. to want to honor Terrence somehow, whether it's through giving Audra the award or giving Frankie and Johnny revival. So I'm sticking with uh, Joe Canna and actress, but I'm going to predict Frankie and Johnny for revival. Interesting. I see your logic. I see See, the point. Yeah, I see the point. I get it. I see the point. I just don't remember... I just don't remember the reviews being that good for Frankie and Johnny. Oh, it was not a hit. It really wasn't. <laughs> that's why you've been going on Star good. Power and not the play. The box office was not good at all. It closed pretty quickly. 
I mean, uh, yeah, like I went with my coworkers because one of my coworkers knew someone working on the show and they were like trying to get rid of tickets. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is purely in honor of Terrence. Hmm. That's where I'm going. Cody says a soldier's play. Yeah, I think that's where I lean as well with Cody on a soldier's play. From it's a very well known play. I mean, I studied it in school, um, and it was also not. I mean, I think that one was also quite starry, having you know both Blair Underwood and David Allen Greer. But you know, I can also see it going anyway because a lot of them I can see going anyway. Yeah, I'm going with the soldier's play. I think it's the flashiest, and I it just it makes the easiest sense to me but i get i get the betrayal logic as well with just star power all right well there you have it all right are we moving on to best play let's do it the nominees are grand horizons the inheritance seawall a life slave play and the sound inside i think we all kind of made this clear i'm going with slave play with the inheritance as the possible spoiler yep yep is that it we're all just going back to safe play no question yep. mm-hmm. all right well then i will bring us home the nominees for best musical are funny girl hello dolly <laughs> high spirits and she loves me what do we think okay no, of course we are going to this year's three nominees yet again they are get ready for this people jagged little pill Moulin Rouge, the musical, and Tina, the Tina Turner musical. I mean, it's Moulin Rouge. Come on. I think so as well. Yeah. yeah. I oh? <laughs> don't. So know. this is where I'm going to deviate and say I think this might be Jagged Little Pill. It's bold. I like it. I don't agree, but I respect it. <laughs> Look, my my thing is that people thought Moulin Rouge looked spectacular, but that was like it. People didn't love the show as much as they loved the way it looked and the design of it. And I think that Jagged Little Pill at least had the performances to back up some winning uh, best musical. That's literally my entire thought process. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Michael. <laughs> this is just, I don't, I don't even care about these shows. They could all just, you know, open, move on. Let's just get a new season. Lord. I'm so tired of this. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> it is interesting because I feel like all the things that we were, like, excited about opening, for the most part, um, didn't actually make the cutoff. Yep. Um, they were, like, yeah. in previews or they were just about to go into previews. You know, yeah. things like Six and Company and Sing Street and the musicals that people were more excited about. So, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if COVID yeah. started like a week and a half later and we had like Girl like from North Country? Yeah. yeah. Some of these other shows mm-hmm. at least to work with. I and mean, that would have been something, but <laughs> it was not to be. It's all right. Those shows are going to get a better, the ones that, that are still opening are going to get a better Tony Awards next year. So. Well, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Just a few final thoughts about the upcoming ceremony itself. So I think this thing starts at seven o'clock and the first two hours are exclusively on Paramount Plus, mm-hmm. which are mostly the awards. And then beginning at nine o'clock on CBS, you have this whole big thing called Broadway's Back, which is where a lot of the performances are going to be. So it's not the Tonys as we remember them. It's being hosted by Audra McDonald for the first two hours and then Leslie Adam Jr. for the second half. Uh and I'm sure it'll be something. It's just nice to see an award show again and people in a theater. So that'll be nice. I am really excited about the honorary awards that are being given out that evening. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Casey, I'll let you start if you just want to give a shout out to your man and your show. Uh, can, let me look at the specific wording of what. I mean, I think it's just like special Tony Award, but I, I want to get it right. Um, it is just special Tony Award. Anyway, David Burns, American Utopia. Very happy. He did not win the Emmy, but he gets a special Tony. Yeah, I think that's well-deserved because it was a show that was super, super popular, and now anyone could watch it on HBO Max. So if you haven't seen it already, go watch what Spike Lee did with it because it's really impressive. You have a special Tony for David Burns, American Utopia. Freestyle Love Supreme is getting some attention. But the two that I'm super excited about, you have the Lifetime Achievement Award going to the one and only iconic Graziella Danielle. Mm-hmm. And then the Isabel Stevenson Award, I love this one, going to Julie Halston. Those are two icons of the theater right there. And, you know, to see them get their due in that capacity, it's just really, really nice. That's what these awards should be about, honoring people who are so deserving, who put in the time, who put in the work. And it's just great to see them being recognized as the theaters coming back. So very happy for everyone there. I'm hoping with this format of having, you know, majority of the awards and those first two hours on Paramount Plus and then having like a lot of the performances and maybe like the big awards on the televised that maybe we get, you know, speeches for every award, including these special ones. I think that was a big complaint in recent years was like them being relegated to a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that would be great because you have four hours this time around instead of the regular three. So that's time that you could show, you know, all the things that usually get cut. Remember when uh, Lisa Crone and Ginny and Tesori were put during the commercial break for winning for Fun Home? Yeah, like, that's exactly. something that should have been on the telecast. Like, this is something yeah. we should be seeing. And I don't care if it's on Paramount Plus, just give us a way to see it live, because that's a really special moment, and we should be seeing all the tech awards done in the same way. Especially as a way to, like, honor of, like, you know, we didn't have theater for a year and a half. And, like, we're all, you know, I think it feels only fitting to, like, honor every individual person who's winning. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to throw out one final note about Graziella Danielle, because I was sure that she had a Tony. She does not. Out of ten nominations, this will be her first. That is just wild and a reminder that as much as we love these things and it's great to honor the best, sometimes the very best isn't recognized until later on. So... Graciela Danielle has not had a nomination since 1998 when she did the choreography for Ragtime. Just go look at her career. Go look at all the work and you'll see just, you know, one of the most iconic people in the theater. It, it's such a great moment and I really can't wait to see that. That's going to be my high point of the night next yeah. to Dan, uh, Danny Burstein. She's an absolute legend and she is beyond deserving. Any other thoughts about the Tony Awards? Do we Anybody know? Anybody else? Uh, sorry, go ahead, Casey. Oh, I was just going to ask, do we know if there are any other performances besides just the nominated shows? Like, are we getting any, like, shows that are still, that are going to be on Broadway? Not necessarily maybe new shows, but, like, 
I don't know, musical numbers from old shows. That are so on I have I a theory. Know. Yeah, like Broadway's back celebrations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a theory, and I might be totally off here, but it's just something I was thinking about. I think they're going to want to promote all the big shows that are coming, maybe even some of the shows that aren't open yet. So my thought is maybe it's like a big surprise at the end. What if they had Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster show up to do some little teaser of the music man? That is a lovely story. (laughs) She's working. I think it's more likely we have some of the shows that have, you know, opened. Yeah. Do something. I feel like it'd be like just a mashup of like the yeah like the the big three and just other shows doing like their signature things saying like hey we're back like to do i'm tempted to put money on this thing opens with either a number from hamilton or circle of life yeah 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 i was thinking a medley of the big three yeah i was thinking like yeah the big three circle of life phantom a wicked one short day maybe i don't know there's something where we just like celebrate that like we're back that'd be cute here, I'm reading about what's going on here. They have a few articles posted. Uh, this is from Deadline. Broadway's back Tony Night concert special to feature Lin-Manuel Miranda, Kristen Chenoweth, Andre DeShields, Adina Menzel, and more. And that, that doesn't say that they're performing. They might just be presenters. But, you know, you see some people who are involved in this. So there might be some surprises or it might just be your standard, you know, bring the tourists to New York, which is fine. I think we all just want to see something now. So... Yes, we would like any any crumb, please. Any little crumb. Mm-hmm. And then we have a new season to look forward to. Yeah, I have to say that I am going back to Broadway for the first time in a very long time. Um, this coming weekend, on <gasps> Sunday the 26th, I'm going with uh, my friend to see Six. And I am so excited to be back in a theater. Wow, Broadway <laughs> is back. <sighs> Broadway is back, baby, and I couldn't be happier. And on that note, Broadway's back. We're happy. We're going to see some shows. Hopefully the world you know, continues to get better and we're able to see more and more as the months go along. So as we wrap this up, uh, I just want to thank all of you for giving your Tony predictions, and we'll see what happens Sunday night. Uh, but in the meantime, where can we find you all on Twitter? Uh, Lauren. You guys can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lamango. Uh, Nicole? You can find me at Nicole Ackman 16. Come check on me if Tom Hiddleston wins. Dan? <laughs> you can find me checking on Nicole after Tom Hiddleston wins <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> at Dance Dan on film. Casey? You can find me on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark. And once again, I'm Michael Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. You can find additional Next Best Picture and Next Best Theater content on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. 
We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.